You may be seated. Just take a moment and pray. Father, it's so good to be in your presence, and it's so good to know that we can meet you no matter where we are. No matter what's going on in our life, you are present. So help us meet you in a new way. Thank you that you meet us in a time of praise and adoration. Lord, we know you meet us in your word, and it's living, so open our hearts to hear what it is you want to speak. And Father, we anticipate coming to meet you at the altar as you're made known to us in the breaking of the bread. Father, we ask right now that as we're here today and we encounter you, we're made different so we could leave here different from the way we came in. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to begin this week in the next four weeks on a sermon series. And the sermon series is Love Your Neighbor. Isn't that exciting? Here we go. Love your neighbor. It's something that comes up often. It's something in our liturgy that we read in the opening acclamations that we're reminded of the law, the Shema, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That Jesus commanded these things. That he brought them together. And we're going to dive in a little bit deeper to understand what exactly the Lord is talking about when he calls us to love our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Why is that important for us? Why is that essential for us as Christians, of those who are following after Christ, to love our neighbor? And what does he want us to do with that? And why is that so important for us? Now my hope is in the process of these next weeks that we begin to pray how God is going to speak to us about how we're used in his kingdom loving our neighbors and what that looks like. And, and, and more like a, a four-week challenge for us on loving our neighbors. What I'm hoping doesn't happen is in the next four weeks, many are relocating and moving from their current place of living because the loving neighbor thing wasn't working out so great. But the key word that we have to look at right now is the word love. That's the key word in that phrase and what it means and, and why that's important. And the Lord gives us kind of a blueprint on love that we would maybe understand how this works. For us to better understand why loving our neighbor is so essential to our Christian walk, we have to start from the beginning. And the beginning is always a good place to start, right? And if you read in Genesis chapter 1, and that begins to unfold, you have the creation story. And particularly in uh, the creation of humanity, the creation of man and woman. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, So God created man in his own what? In his image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Skip down a little further, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It goes on. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living what? Being. He gave life. See, God was bored and had nothing else to do, so he figured out why not create humanity, right? He created the universe and, and, and the earth and all those things working together. I, I was reading an article the other day and it was something to do with science. And as soon as I start reading that, I don't understand anything they're talking about. And they begin to talk about these black holes and two black holes, and the biggest ones ever, like the earth shook. And I'm like, I don't remember the earth shaking. And, and they, they fell into each other and it was this cosmic, cladomistic breakthrough something. Totally don't understand. But God understands, because he created that, created all of that, and he created us. Well, we have to understand, God wasn't bored. 
No. That he created man in his image. That we're created in the very image of who? God. That's all of humanity. All of humanity is created in the very image of God. Now we turn to our neighbor and we say, I didn't know that's what God looked like. You don't have to do that. But your neighbor's created in, in the image of God. Those people who really get on your nerves in your life, they're created in the image of God. It's not just the ones we like. I'm sorry. And now we have to understand that. God formed us from the dust of the ground and he breathed his breath into us and he gave us life. The truth is, God loves us so much that he gave us life and he gave us free will to love him in return. Now, as the story goes on with Adam and Eve, the problem was there was a fall. And the fall was that God wanted to be like man. A man wanted to be like God. Man, man wanted to be like God. And as a result of that free will, man fell. And sin came in. And the whole journey until the coming of Christ was about being reconciled to God. And there was only one way that we could be reconciled. And John 3.16 reminds us of his love for us. John 3.16, which a verse we're familiar, but God loves us so much. It says in, in, in John 3.16, for God so loved what? The world. That's humanity. That's the person next to you. That's your neighbor. That's the people we encounter throughout our day. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but what church? Have everlasting life. That he loved his creation so much that he would give up his only son. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love for who? For us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Because of that great love he has for us. That our Father in heaven is rich in mercy. Say that's good news. That means he's not running out of mercy. He's got a bank account that never draws empty in mercy. And he continues to pour that mercy out. And he pours that mercy out in the midst of our transgressions. In the midst of our sin. He makes us alive in Christ when we were dead to sin. Only a God who loves us could do that. A God who makes a way through grace that we can come to that saving knowledge of who he is. God loves his creation. God loves us. He created us. And he sent his son to die for us to redeem us from our sins. That's the story. That's what unfolds. God gives us a choice to receive his love or to reject it. That's free will. Free will is you can receive the love that God has for you or you can reject the love God has for you. But you have to choose. And we have to respond to that. When we receive that love, we discover nothing can separate us from the love of God. When you have that encounter of who he is in your life, trial, tribulation, circumstance, and you realize his love for us. That love for us is not temporal, but it's eternal. Then we begin to understand that there's nothing that can separate us from that love. How do I know that? Because while I was still in my transgressions, while I was still a sinner, God loved me. 
I'm so grateful he didn't say, hey, Brett, I need you to get your act together before we come into this understanding. Because that would have never happened. I would have never figured it out. What I did figure out was I couldn't get my act together and I needed him. And I met his love in that place. The love God has for us is to be lived out in a certain way. He, he's given us a way that we're to live that love out. That love is active. It's not passive. It's not just something for myself. It's, it's to be lived out. And it's lived out in a relationship with him and a relationship with our neighbors. That's the others. That's how love is lived out. And I'll tell you what, the more we're active in it, the more we'll begin to understand it to a new depth, a new understanding. We read in Romans chapter 13, I'm going to read verse 8 through, through 10. And Paul is speaking to a people who are Hebrew people, a Jewish people, who understood the law. They had the old covenant down. And, and, and he's writing to them to understand really the fulfillment of what that's about. And he says in verse 8, he says, Owe no one anything except what? To love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this, saying namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, what you have to understand what I have to understand when you're a Jew and you're looking at the laws we think we might think of the Ten Commandments but there's a mitzvah I think it's called and it was 613 laws aren't you glad we only have 10 once you get to 11 you go yeah I can't I, I can barely do three you know I'm working on four five six and and if we look at what Paul points out in those commandments, that the struggle is within ourselves. And we're struggling with ourselves, and we're struggling with ourselves, and we can't love others. And what Jesus had said would fulfill, Paul is reiterating, that all those laws, all of that is summed up. That we would understand all of that would be summed up as a result of this. What Paul is saying is that that, that debt comes from a result of greed. Owe no man anything. But that debt that we have, that's greed. And our greed comes from loving ourselves a little bit too much. And that's where the greed, that's why the commandments are pointed out, all have to do with ourselves and how we, we deal with ourselves and where that comes in. But the only debt that we should have is the debt of loving one to another. That's the only debt that we should have. Wouldn't it be amazing if you went home and in the mail came a letter from your bank, your mortgage company, and it said, your debt is paid. And the only thing you have to do is go love others. I wish I was a trillionaire, could trillionaire, whatever number that had to be, and I could pay off all those mortgages and I would write in that statement, the only debt that we would have is to love another. Is, is to love others. And what would that look like? And the Lord taught us this blueprint of love. He gives us a blueprint of what that would look like and how we're to live that love out. 
And the first thing that we're reminded of is that we love God. We love God with our entire life, with all that we are, not with just some of our life, not just with part of our life, but we surrender all of our life and we love God. And that's why it's with heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's why that's so important. Because if you're half in or a quarter in or partially in, you won't understand the depth or the magnitude of that love that he has for you. So we have to be all in to understand what that love is, heart, soul, mind, and strength, my entire life. Second is to love ourselves. And to love ourselves, the way we do that is by understanding God's love for us. Now here, let me explain. I really loved myself before I came to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. And I thought I understand a depth of love at that place in my life. The love myself that I understood was so selfish I couldn't see it. The love I had for myself it was what was keeping me from understanding how to love God and how to love others. But when I encountered His love, that transformed me. And what I encountered was mercy that He was rich in, a grace that was new every day that He made alive in my life. And that redemption moment of who He is in my life, I encountered true love, what that, what that is. And as a result of that, encountering that love of who he is, now I can love others. Now I can love myself. Because he first loved me. Because he met me in that place. So is the opposite true. If we don't love ourselves, then we don't understand God's love for us. And it's impossible. It's impossible if we don't understand God's love for us to love our neighbors. Impossible. We have to know that love, encounter that love. Third, we're told to love our neighbors. And we love our neighbors as Christ what? Loves us. That's what, he, that's what he calls us to do. That we're going to encounter them and love them as he loved us. That we would understand first that, that God's love for my life. Second, that, that I can love myself as a result of his love for me. And third, I'm called to go love them. And in John 13, 34, it says, A new command I give to you, that you love what? One another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. That, that all those commandments and everything would be fulfilled as a result of that. And to love one another means to love our neighbor. That's the one another. And let me define neighbor. Neighbor are those who are sitting around you right now. Neighbors are those who live to your right, to your left, behind you, in front of you, wherever you live, or upstairs, or downstairs, or whatever that be. Your neighbor is the one you encounter when you pick up a cup of coffee, or when you get your gas at a gas station. Those are the neighbors, plural. Those part of his image, his creation, that he loves, and that he calls us into the world and into those relationships, that we're called to love him and love others in the same way. And here's, here's the thing. God loves us as much as he loves them. I know we think we get a little extra points because we're in church today. But come on, this has got to count for something, right? You've got to love me just a little bit more. And in my brokenness, I want to believe that. But the truth is, he loves us equally. He loves what he's created in his image. And those who understand that love are called to bring that love. See, we cannot say, I love God and I hate my neighbor. We can't. We cannot say that. The two are one and the same. It's synonymous how that works, that I love God 
and I love. He didn't say, just love God. It would have ended there, but it was, it was one sentence. It was one understanding for us. The commandments are summed up that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That that's the love he's talking about. And the reason this is so important for us to understand is because the more we love our neighbor, the more we love God. Now, I know that's hard. I know that can be difficult. But that's what he's teaching us about his love. And the more I can love on them, not all those who agree with me politically, socially, not all those who I like to be around, that I want to respond. If we want to learn a depth of God's love, it's in the broken. It's in the marginalized. It's in the voiceless. It's in those places that we meet the Lord and we understand a new depth of what that love could be for our life. Can you imagine that we think we're growing in that relationship with who God is and that love that he has for our life, but yet we still have so much more to learn. Here's the thing. The Lord wants to take us to school on love. And he wants to give us a master's degree on what that's going to look like. And for us to get that degree, we've got to learn how to love others and what that's going to look like. The more we love our neighbor, the more we love God. The more we practice selflessness towards one another, the more we'll discover God's love for us. Selflessness is love. Selflessness is willing to give up myself. Jesus was selfless, willing to give up his life so that we can have an eternity with the Father. And he modeled that selflessness. And that we're to model that in the same way, to understand in that. So here's where loving one another starts. It starts right here, right now, right in this moment. It starts with the church. Because that's what he commanded. And that's what he told them. It starts here. In the church, as a, as a community in Christ, we want to show the world our love for one another. How will they know that we are Christians? By our... For who? Why did it just say our love for God? Why wasn't that enough? The world will know... We are Christians because I love God. That didn't work. Know that we are Christians by how we love one another and how we show that love towards one another. That's what we're called to do. And we're called to show that with one another. Then we're called to go into the world as that community in Christ and brings Christ's love to them, to show that to the world. And the way that we do that is we, we go and we begin to love those around us and those that we encounter, those that he puts in our path. God loves us. And the evidence of his love is that he created us in his image. The evidence of his love is what he was willing to do, give up his son so that we could be redeemed and have that relationship with the Father. That's the evidence when we look at one another, we should see the love of God. As a church, we should be called to model that love first and foremost so that if we model it here, the world will see what that love looks like. Our response, our response to God's love is to love him back. But we have free will. We have to make that choice. I wish I could make people love God. I really do. I, I pray for some kind of superpower. Like, you know, you're not getting it. Zap and learn to love God. 
But that free will, they have to choose. Just like our children. I can't make my children love me. I make them say it, but... (laughs) (laughs) But I know the genuineness of that. It's based on what I model and how I love them and how important that response is. Our response is to love God. And if we love God, if we love God, if we proclaim we love God, we have to, we must love our neighbor as ourself. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I've failed at this, Lord. I've struggled with this. We all do. My self, selfishness gets in the way of that many times. I don't want to fail at that, Lord. I want to grow in your love. I want all of us to grow in your love. And the way that we're going to do that and the new depth of that is as we begin to love others too, Lord. So help us, engage us, correct us, give us grace to carry that out so that we can discover a new depth of your love this day. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now what I need to tell you is God loves you. But you have that free will to choose to receive it or not. And I never assume everyone has asked him in their life that way. But I know as a result of me surrendering my life and asking him into my life that way, by saying, Lord, I can't do it on my own anymore, but you can help me do it. My life radically was changed as a result of that. I understood that by grace through faith, he's created a way for me to have a relationship with him, an eternal relationship. But we have to make that decision. And I don't know if you know him that way, but I want to give you an opportunity to know him that way so you can discover love to a depth you've never discovered it before. So if you'd like to pray to know him that way, just close your eyes and maybe pray for those around you as someone who needs an encounter with him. But if you'd like to pray with me and you're watching online or you're sitting here now, just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart And I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person that you want me to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now if you prayed with me and you're sitting here or you've prayed online, I want you to let us know. Why? Because we take discipleship really seriously. And we don't want you to be on your own. We want to come alongside you and lead you on a pathway of discipleship and begin to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with the sign of God's peace. Peace.